Cincinnati. to episode 239 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. My name is Paul Iris. Very, very welcome you are too. Uh, we've had a bit of a gap really because my partner in crime, my uh, turkey to my cranberry sauce, my pigs to my blanket. Oh no, we can't talk about Christmas now. It's a couple of weeks uh, removed. But anyway, my partner in crime, Nathan Palmer, was away and uh, we did manage to do our Christmas episode with... Mike Hilton, the marvellous Mike Hilton. Magic Mike Hilton, some would say. Um, but we've had a bit of a break and there's lots to talk about. The season is officially over, uh, which is so weird, isn't it? We've, we've been very lucky and privileged and almost spoilt, really, in the past couple of years um, where our seasons have ex- extended into February. Um, and now it's time to pack up our bags just uh, with the rest of them, it's a, it's a weird feeling, isn't it? Uh, isn't it, Nathan Palmer? Happy New Year! Happy New Year to you, my son. And yeah, it is a weird feeling, and it's a real shame. Um, you know, the last time we spoke was after that Vikings win, three-game win streak, and you felt like there was a good chance that we might be seeing some action in January and February. But like with this season, um, a bit topsy-turvy and not the outcome we wanted. But um, yeah, like I said, Happy New Year. How are you, son? You been all right? Yeah, all right, yes. Had a very chilled Christmas break, thank you very much. Lots of nice food, lots of watching films, uh, a tiny bit of lurgy, so that uh, prompted me to stay in and watch even more films and eat more food if I could. Uh, A few snifters of uh, my Christmas rum uh, dotted around the Christmas holiday. So, yeah, it's pretty chilled. Some family time, some, uh, as I say, a bit of football as well, obviously. Um, on New Year's Eve, stayed up, saw the New Year in, watching the Bengals and Chiefs, um, which was a bit of a novel experience, but there we go. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it was all good. What about you, my man? You've been all over the shop, haven't you? You've been here, there and everywhere. Yeah, I went on to Chicago after Cincinnati. Beautiful city. If you haven't been before, it's like a clean and a bit more down-to-earth New York. I thoroughly recommend that. And then saw my two friends in Vancouver for Christmas and New Year. Had a great time out there. Went up to Whistler, Vancouver Island, and got back last Wednesday. So just about reacclimatized from keeping on the sofa after work. So tonight <laughs> I'm going for the, the whole way through to when I go to sleep. So this podcast is doing a good job of keeping me alive and kicking. But yeah, brilliant period. And um, get back to the real world now, I guess. Back to the real world. I mean, how many games have we not spoken about? Three, I guess. Uh, we've yeah. not spoken about the Steelers away. We've not spoken about the Chiefs away. And we've not spoken about last night's game away. So we might do a quick, very quick. Because this is the weir- a weird time of year, isn't it? When the season ends, I think everybody wanted the season to end more or less before last night's win against the Browns. Um 
but it's it's kind of now the season's over people are already turning the page and they want to they want to know what's going to happen to uh to uh, uh key free agents who are we going to sign in free agency what kind of cap have we got to play with uh people are already ringing out the mock drafts and uh uh, getting on those simulators and working it for all. It's so whether you had a cracker yet. Have you done your first mock draft of the off season? I have not, not yet. Okay. Uh, well, there's still time um, today, Nathan. But we must kind of just wrap things up, uh, really. So should we do one last reaction? Eh? Let's do it. Reactions, reactions, ole ole ole, reactions. Well, um, as I said, there's three games to reaccione about, and um, it's been a bit of a funny one. Um, we've lost two and won one. I mean, last night's game wasn't really much of a game, felt like pre-season, really, but they did what they needed to do. They kind of crushed uh, a, well, a Cleveland Browns team, sadly, who are off to the playoffs, unbelievably off to the playoffs. And, uh, you know, they, they, they just trotted out their, their second and third team. But uh, we did what we had to do. Mixon had a big game. Good to see him get over a 1,000 yards and, and break a few franchise records and also um, bring a <laughs> qualify, trigger a few sort of uh, uh, payment clauses in his contract as well. So it was a really good day for Joe Mixon yesterday. Uh, Jake Browning finished his seven-game stretch as starter with a four and three record. We'll talk about Browning a bit later. Um, the week before, though, we were still in contention, Nathan. And how did you think that Chiefs game went? For me, it was a pretty much almost perfect first half, really. But then, not a lot going on in the second half. Yeah, I thought it was really spirited. From the Bengals, I was really impressed with them for the majority of the game. I, you know, you're on the road against the Chiefs. They've got their, you know, number one quarterback out there, pretty much their full, full arsenal, and we gave them a real good go. And at halftime, like you said, you couldn't have asked for any more than that. It was a really quality performance. I thought the offense was very, very strong, and you know, I, I, it was always going to be a massive test for us without Joe Burrow, without a few key players to go in there. Like D, DJ Reader, I think as epitomise, you talk about key players going down, he's nearly been as big of a factor, I think, as Joe Burrow um, going down. It's just really loosened that defence up and allowed teams to sort of have their way with us a bit. And he, for me, has been such a big loss. And it was epitomised, really, I think, against the Chiefs as well. Some of those big plays, Pacheco really, really sort of handed that to us. But we were really in that game and, uh, you know, it just slipped away from us like bit by bit. It was like very slow death that game in the second half. But I, I thought we did all things considered. I don't think that's a bad, a bad loss at all. I think it's the game before that we will probably touch on briefly that really was a sucker punch for us. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I was a bit disappointed. It sounds weird, I know, but I was a bit disappointed in that second half in the Chiefs cause, because... The Chiefs obviously adjusted to what we were doing, um, and we didn't really adjust in 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 kind, really. And then suddenly, Browning was in, under pressure for the majority of his snaps. I would say every time he dropped back, he looked so he was under pressure. And that's uh, we we saw that. We're going to talk about the Pittsburgh game in a moment, but we saw that against Pittsburgh, where he was under pressure a lot, 
and he was just making the wrong reads and he was just making the wrong decisions and you know I'm not a quarterback so what do I know I mean if I was back there with Chris Jones breathing down my neck I'd probably be the same even worse but as a fan's point of view it's a bit disappointing to me that we couldn't come up with any adjustments that handled their adjustments if that makes sense um so yeah it was a bit disappointing I thought um but certainly that first half was great two main plays that people seem seem to still be talking about that fourth and one two fourth downs actually um fourth down and one for us would you have gone for it a lot of people kind of say what was Zach doing just take the points I was I was okay with that decision because if we'd have got that fourth down and one and then punched it in we would have been up by a couple of scores you know so I I understand why he went for it and I wasn't against that at all it was just about the worst execution um, that you can possibly have because I think it was Willie Gay who just just ran through untouched. How can how can a linebacker run through untouched on a fourth and one? It's just insane to me. Just really badly executed. Whether there was any miscommunications, I don't know. Paul Daniel Jr. made the point: if you see that look, you've got to call a timeout instantly and get yourself sorted. They didn't. They went for it and. Mixon got stopped in the backfield so really poorly executed but I certainly wouldn't uh, disagree with um, with Zach's, with Zach's call there on 4th and 1 No, no, no problem with the call on 4th and 1 you see teams being very aggressive now on, in situations like that I don't think the Bengals have been fantastic on these 4th and 1s throughout the last year or two there's been a lot of incidents where you know, you think in those situations you, you want to sneak here or, you know, be a bit um, smash mouth and bash you up the middle with your offensive line. And it's not been the team's strength for the last couple of years. And I've not got data in front of me, but there have been a few scenarios where I've been a bit like, oh, yeah, like in most scenarios, go for it. I see the logic behind it, the analytics and all of that um, stuff. But like you said, really badly executed. And the problem with those fourth and ones it's not just the sort of actual there and then outcome of oh we didn't get it it's the absolute momentum swing that it exactly, gives the other exactly, yeah, yeah. and i think that's more than anything you know the sort of lift that it gives to another team to say right actually you know we've saved ourselves some points here let's go out there and you know turn this game on its head and that's very much what happened um after the bengals missed that fourth and one yeah that's that's always the problem if you don't make that I, i'm not no problem with the play call if you if you'd have made that fourth and one you would have been prime position to punch it in and we've been playing so well, who who's to say that we wouldn't? But if you don't make that uh, you, that fourth down and one, um, you give the Chiefs a sniff, and that's all they kind of need. Then they got a fourth and one, and we couldn't stop them. Uh, it was a kind of a poorish effort, I have to say, by Jermaine Pratt to bring down, I think it was Jermaine Pratt, um, to bring down Mahomes. But he... I don't know. It was just epitomised the season, really. I think it was we were there to make the play, and we we didn't didn't quite do it, and that was kind of infuriating. And so, a game of t- a game of inches, Nathan. It is a game of inches, isn't it? Really? It really is. Yeah. Well, should we go rewind back even further? We're doing a bit of a Back to the Future job now, aren't we? And unfortunately, we can't change the past. <laughs> that would be good. Um, what is it about the Steelers, man, this year? We keep saying they're shit, and they are, and yet, and yet, they've just finished with a 10-7 and record. Yeah. One game better than us. Mike Tomlin, again, a winning record, uh, and they're in the playoffs. 
and it kind of makes you sick really because there's n i mean pickens has come to the fore the defense is what the defense is um you know uh, Najee harris is a bit of a workhorse um mason rudolph they're onto mason rudolph now who's actually not playing too badly but it's just infuriating because we have not been able to figure them out twice this year twice this year and if we this is the infuriating thing about the Bengals season if we'd have won one more game we would have been yeah. we would have been i thought no would have we definitely been in the playoffs i'm not sure but we certainly would have been on a par with with pittsburgh and and houston and, and all the rest of it so um it's infuriatingly close um but yeah Again, just couldn't do anything against Steelers. Browning had his worst game of the season, I would say. Um, yeah, just couldn't get anything going whatsoever. And it was just so frustrating. I just knew that was coming in that game. And we were the favourites quite heavily with the bookies for that, which I just thought straight away, you know, away at the Steelers, I didn't have a lot, a ton of confidence. You know, that's always such a hard place to go for us. I know Mason Rudolph was starting but you looked at us we had jamal chase out um riding high after three um three games on the trot winning against some good opposition and it just felt like a classic recipe didn't it sort of hopeful bengals playing well playing above probably what anyone expected against the steelers team that at the time you could have argued within a bit of disarray they're having a bit of internal um stuff going on you know if you sort of things going on in the locker room or whatever else. And no one really, I don't think, gave them too much of a chance. It was just a classic, you know, walk into the trap. And you just have to give the Steelers credit. I hate doing it. And I, I literally took all my friends down to this sports bar in Vancouver <laughs> to watch this game. All of us in our oh, thing. We're the only people in the bar watching this game. And we're all dressed up. And I'm giving it the big bollocks that, you know, this is a big game. We're going to win it. Don't worry about it. And, you know, it was it was an embarrassing state of play quite honestly you know sat there at half time and you're 24 nothing down you know in a game that you're massively favored for and yeah i know they gave a little bit of resistance in the second half and did a few things slightly better in the third quarter but like you said brown had, had a bad game the run game was pretty anemic they you could see they missed jamar chase and like i said the credit goes to the steelers the way they game planned it the defense you know we, see, i think it's very easy for people to say all oh, the steelers are shit and Offensively, they're not going to win any beauty pageants, but the, the defense is gritty. And when you've got a player like TJ Watt that's going to fly off the edge and is going to play big when it matters, and you know the, the Steelers knew full well it was a big game for them, and they all stepped up when they needed to. Mike Tomlin coached a hell of a game, and they beat us by twenty-three points, and that's inexcusable. You know, you look at the season, and you you know you're talking about those one games that we should have won here and there, and two of those games are against the Steelers. You know, a team that we would have been fancied against both times at home and away based on the circumstance. Mason Rudolph's their, what, third-string quarterback. It's inexcusable you get beat in, in that manner um, at the end of the season. That that was a real... That's, for me, where the season mm. came to rest. I know we had a chance against the Chiefs, but that was always a, a little bit out of that depth. But, you know, a divisional game against a team <laughs> with their third-string quarterback, that's where you've got to pull the stops out. No, I agree. And, uh, you know, that also marked... I'm just picking out stuff that I noticed and has stayed with me, you know, Cheeto Wuze, Cheeto uh, got beat badly, you know, um, you know, twice in two weeks. He almost did it uh, again uh, against the Chiefs as well. Um, Big regret. 
this year, wasn't it? Yeah, and there was a great article written by Paul Dana Jr. in The Athletic about Cheeto and his struggles this year. And, and you know, he knows he's not played well this year. And I think it, it's taken a lot longer to get back to what he is or was uh, before that ACL injury, you know. And that's something we don't know that's been going on behind the scenes. All we can see is what's going on in the field. Now, when he, you know, we know that he's actually possibly a top 10 cornerback. It, you know, when healthy, he has been, frankly, um, but it just hasn't been there this year. So uh, such a shame. But um, we'll see what happens with him. So we finish we finish yesterday um, 31-14 against the Browns, which is always nice to win against the Browns. Um, all look good. I say Mixon looked good. Chase Brown had a few nice moments. Yoshi with a couple of touchdowns that are giving the, you know, given the all the confidence in the world. Great, great, uh, decent, I should say, first rookie season for him. Um, but we we got beat by Jeff Driscoll and a couple of, you know, garbage time touchdowns at the end there. And that was kind of quite annoying, really. Um, and it feeds into this sort of narrative at the moment surrounding Dax Hill in particular. Although I would say yeah. maybe broaden that out a little bit to to battle as well he's been you know he has flashed and there was a bit of the good the bad and the ugly all all wrapped up in last night and when it comes to the safety play i thought um you know i like dax hill as a as a as a bloke and as a player i think his closing speed is absolutely phenomenal his athleticism is off the charts but we we said at the start didn't we um Right at the start of the season, you know, the loss of Jesse Bates and Von Bell was going to be critical. We knew that, but we were we weren't sure how big the drop off was going to be, and um, it's probably been bigger than either of us thought. Would you Would you say that? I I think Battle's been really good. I mean, if you look at his PFF grade, it's like in the eighties. I think a lot of people are very very happy about what he's contribute i think nick scott was a poor free agent signing i think that was a you look back at that and that probably wasn't um the right move trying to sort of replace um a mercedes-benz in von bell with a peugeot really in nick scott and <laughs> that 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 was a, not a great move um Axial's difficult. There's games where you think he really is getting it and you're excited by it. And that angle he took on that touchdown last night from David Bell was, was really poor. And his PFF grade for the season is, I think, in the 50s. And Yeah, which which is actually comparable to Jesse Bates in 2021, actually. You know, the PF, uh, Jesse yeah. Bates PF. But I agree, it's the angles. It's those big... It's it's like uh, it's like being a goalkeeper. You're in, in, in soccer, you know. It's kind of like... Um, you know, you're not talked about at all until you make a mistake, and it's really glaring. And there's been a couple of those this year. There's the, obviously the the play um, um, against Kansas City when when uh, it looked as though Cam Taylor Britt uh, was beaten, uh, but actually it was it was down to to Dax Hill not being in the right position to cover. Uh, on a play that those guys, so there, there is a there is a there is a discussion at the moment that um, perhaps Dax Hill isn't it, or perhaps at least um, he's not in his best position. Uh, I did think halfway through the season that he he could, you know, Mike Hilton's with us for another 
another year, which is brilliant. But perhaps Dax Hill is is the heir apparent there, or he can. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's it's a really tricky one. They're going to have to figure that out. Uh, I agree with them. Uh, battle because. Again, he's Flash. He's done a great job to become the starter, pretty much over Nick Scott. Um, yeah. But he has he has tackling. I do think he takes some bad angles on some tackles, um, which is interesting. So um, that need, everything needs to be tied up. You you really hope that he will make a jump in, in year two, and you hope Dax Hill, after um, his first full season as a starter, will also take a jump next year. Because it really isn't perfect, and you know, as I say, we knew it wasn't going to be bang on, like you know, with Jesse as it was with Jesse Bates, who has been selected for the Pro Bowl this year. Which kind of, you know, that's an extra dagger in the heart, isn't it? Really, but um, and Von Bell uh, is almost like God. If we if we just managed to keep one of those guys, um, that would have been something really good. And it just shows you the importance of having some sort of you know, field generals at the back there who can see everything developing, you know, and who communicate so well. Uh, again, we said, didn't we, that th- those guys don't won't win any prizes for um, it, like PFF grades or whatever. Uh, but what what they did have, they worked fantastically well together as a t- as a duo back there, and their communication was fantastic. And that that when you t- suddenly take that away. That has, I think, that has an impact on the whole defense, you know. And we've seen it with uh, Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt's play this year. I, I read an interview with Lou Anarumo last week, saying that you know those guys are more hesitant this year because they're not quite sure what's going on behind them. Uh, and of yeah. course, if you're that split second hesitance is there when it wasn't previously, big plays are gonna uh, gonna get you, and that's what's happened this year. So. Yeah, not not quite the not quite the uh, play from the safeties that uh, that we'd hoped this year. No, it's experience, isn't it? Losing with Jesse Bates and Von Bell more than anything, and it's hard to quantify experience. You know that that's the sort of thing, like you said, that makes other players play better. It gives confidence, as you exactly what you were just saying about Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, Davis Gaither, people like that to to play the way they know they can because they've got that. Um, communication nailed down. You're not going to get a PFF grade for that. You're not going to necessarily see that on tape. Um, but that's something that sort of goes behind the scenes, I think, in terms of having that security back there. And it's interesting for next year because I don't think Nick Scott will be back. Um, Dax Hill, obviously, is going to be going into year three, Battle going into year two. It, it's a very young secondary. You know, DJ Turner in there. You've got Cam Taylor Britt. It's a, it's a young, you know, obviously... Um, I said DJ Turner, didn't I? I'm yeah, going, yeah, yeah. mad in this new year. Um, yeah, a young secondary that you hope can mature quite quickly. Now, I really think the Bengals could use a veteran in the secondary um, in free agency just to give a bit of experience there and just to sort of, you know, throw the cat amongst the pigeons um, to sort of, sort of bolster that unit a bit. Mm. But there is some good talent there. And I think for the most part, there's not been anyone in that unit that you just say has been an absolute liability, far from it. So, you know, the, the season is what it was. You just hope that they can really blossom. If we can get a really good player out of a Dax Hill, Jordan Battle, Turner, Davis Gaither, not, not Davis Gaither, um, what's his name, Cam Taylor-Britt, mm. 
the double barrel surnames get me. But <laughs> yeah, if you can get a really good player out of one of them two, um, you know, two or three players out of them, you'd be you'd be absolutely delighted. And I think the fact that they've got the amount of snaps they've got this year is unusual. The Bengals don't normally like thrusting, um, especially rookies, into those roles early on. So certainly for Battle and Turner, you know, they've got the benefit of that. They'll get another preseason in. You'd be excited to see what you can get from them next year. But I think this year, that is the problem for the Bengals letting go of some of that veteran talent. You know, you can't pay everyone as we know, but you are then reliant on rookies to step up and play when they're needed. And it wasn't bad, but I don't think it was necessarily what we what we needed to really get us over the hump. No, agreed. Um, right, we, we're going to play pick six in a moment because we've got a lot of subjects to talk about and there is a lot of stuff to happen in this off-season. It's going to be really fascinating, I must say. Um, but uh, just to let you know, 2024, Happy New Year, by the way, um, is the, well, it marks the 10th anniversary of Bengals UK. How about that? Ten years ago, we begun this journey. It's been a fantastic ride up till now, and no doubt it will do in the future. It's the next 10 years. Why not? Um, um, so we're going to mark that with stuff going on throughout the year, some meetups, some initiatives, some fun stuff. So do do um, do uh, keep uh, keep an eye on our social media. That's at uh, today underscore UK on Twitter, X uh, Bengals UK on Facebook, and Bengals underscore UK on Instagram. Ten years, Nathan. How about that? You feeling old? Yeah, I mean, I remember the first. Well, the very first meetup, me, Mike Smith, and Simon, God back, God knows when. The fact it's been ten years plus since then is is outrageous, and just a testament, I guess, to all the hard work that's been done behind the scenes. And brilliant, isn't it? You know, mm. like you said, ten more years. I mean, the way it's growing at the moment, you know, we're we're a hell of a unit in ten years' time from now. Yeah, no, absolutely, it's been fantastic fun, and thank you so much to everyone who's been involved. Come to meetups, engage with us on social medias. Uh, you know, in, uh, just made friends with us. We've made so many fantastic friends this side of the pond and the other side of the pond. Uh, we've obviously now incorporated this annual trip to Cincinnati into what we do. It's it's just uh, just fantastic. So hopefully we can carry carry on for uh, the foreseeable future. Right. Let's bring in uh, let's bring in pick six, uh, shall we? Let's do it myself. Right, pick six. It's the uh, it's the why it's it's the device that we use to hoover up when we've got a lot of things to say and a lot of discussion points to uh, well discuss really a lot of topics to discuss and uh, uh, it's just a good way to do that. So we we're going to pick six things to talk about and the first one, Nathan, I think, is um, give us give us your thoughts about the season in a nutshell. Headline: We're going to, as I say, go deeper into this as the weeks tick by. But just for everyone out there, uh, what's Nathan's Palmer's Nathan Palmer's verdict on this season? A failure, a success? What was the, what what words come to mind when I say to you 2023-24 season? Uh disappointing, inconsistent, so close yet so far. You add frustration in there, that frustrating maybe? Yeah. Just just really random. 
it didn't it just didn't start it didn't start smoothly and then carried on basically didn't it it, it kind of threatened to level out and and actually get back to yeah. what we thought it was and then it, it it just didn't at all i mean if you if you were to say what you know now in terms of how good the teams around the nfl are if you would say right we know exactly how good the browns are exactly how good the steelers are the 49ers bills all the teams we played and then you sat there and said, this is how you got on. You just be like, this is this is literally just like clicking, you know, random numbers into it. Like none of the results would make sense. You know, you look at the Titans who ended up getting five wins. They, we lost 27-3 to them. You look at the number one seed in the NFC, the favourites for the Super Bowl. You've gone away to them and beat them 31-17, you know, like outrageous result. Like just all over the place. Yeah, and, yeah. you know... Not a lot of it made sense at the time. The Jags were in the running for the number one seed, and you've gone into there with Jake Browning and turned them over, you know, in overtime. Like, again, you'd never have expected that. Um, but just bizarre results. And like I said, so near yet so far, one of those wins in there, a little bit of fortune here, you know, whatever it might have been. And you could be looking at the playoffs, and the way Jake Browning was playing. You know, I'm not saying we really could have done much, but I wouldn't have put it past us to get a win in the playoffs. I don't think that would have been, you know, to go in and play someone like Houston, you know, maybe the Browns with Joe Flacco, the Steelers, whoever it might have been that you got. I, I don't think, you know, at home or away, I, I think we could have had a crack at them. I'm not sure you get past the Ravens. I'm not sure you get past the Dolphins or, che or Chiefs, but... I certainly think there was a playoff win in there for us, which would have been, you know, extremely good momentum and, you know, really put ourselves amongst the pigeons. But mm. frust yeah, frustrating. You said, is it frustrating? When, you, when I start talking about it and start riling myself up, it is frustrating. <laughs> you know, there was more to be had there. I mean... What are you saying? At the start of the season, we expected some playoff action, obviously. Um we finished nine and eight, so again another winning record, which is a positive, and yet it was a disappointment, really. Someone's we'll get to the correspondences later, but someone has spoiler alert, someone has kind of said, Well, you know, the Browns managed to get through without a quarterback, you know what I mean? And they got through with five different quarterbacks, so why couldn't we? Um, now I would say that uh, the Browns never lost a quarterback of the, the quality and the integrity of Joe Burrow, you look who the Browns have lost. They've never been a brilliant quarterback team. So I, I'm not quite sure that the comparison is there. Um, but, you know, so many sliding doors moments, so many ifs or buts, coulda, shoulda, wouldas. Um, you know, it's like it's disappointing to finish 9-8, and eight, but then you factor in the Burrow injury, the DJ Reader injury, two absolute titans both sides of the the ball there you also factor in you know um it was the hardest schedule in the league um yeah. so therefore when you build it in actually nine and eight wasn't too bad it's actually good effort to get to nine and eight after all that but is it i don't know i'm i sort of flip-flop between this is a disappointment we should have done better we have the players and yet i then i some reason enters my head conversation and it's like okay actually we've done pretty well to get to nine and eight and like we said a few, few moments ago it's it's almost like been a cursed season from right from the get-go as soon as burrow um messed up his calf and you know I, the only thing i would say you know i think generally speaking we'll get on to this in a second but generally speaking the coaches have had a good year 
The one thing I will have a bit of a dig about them is that perhaps they didn't handle Burrow's calf injury or game planning that well. I don't know. I, I'm a bit like, you yeah. know. And what I mean by that is perhaps if they knew it was going to severely limit Burrow, then yeah. should have played Jake Browning straight straight away from well, the yeah, games. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. <coughs> I mean, we, when we were having those discussions around Joe Burrow's calf, we were saying, well, you know, none of us know what we've got with Jake Browning. And I think you're spot on when you say, look, um, why, if they knew it was going to be that bad, where you're going to be capitulated, you know, pretty much by the Browns, you know, I'd say perhaps not against the Ravens, but the Titans certainly. And it was a bit of a doggy performance to beat the Rams. But yeah, that's a good example, isn't it? Where you might have needed just to, you know, say, right, for a month, you know, let's not put him out there, put him in under any further harm's way. You know, I think it only aggravated that injury week one against the Browns, and then that sort of took a few extra weeks. So Yeah, and he was getting better, and then he, then he re-injured it against the, the Ravens. But yeah. they did manage to scrape back to three and three, didn't they? And you kind of thought, right, yeah. okay. But again, just one of those crazy seasons, really, that nothing quite went right. Um, but still... <laughs> Um, I want to talk. Uh, finish this sentence, Nathan. Um, the Bengals uh, would have gone deep in the playoffs if jo- well. First of all, the Bengals would have made the playoffs with Joe Burrow under center, and they would have made a run for it with Joe Burrow under center. Yes or no? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say no because I don't think the problems were all Joe Burrow losing Joe Burrow. If you look at the defense and how they, for whatever reason, some of the reasons that we've already spoken about, they were like 31st, 32nd in the league, you know, in a lot of categories, you know. Um, I don't think we were good enough defensively to make a serious run. Now, you're right. Burrow Burrow does, uh, you know, cure a lot of ills, let's put it that way. Um, He is the ultimate kind of... um, a band-aid really but however good Burrow is um, I don't think we could have made a serious run this year just because the the defence was just giving up too many big plays now who's to say that you know uh, like Burrow putting the team on his back and chucking all over the place to chase and evading about nine defenders and back down the line to T Higgins forget that T Higgins was out for a good couple of games as well this year so yeah I don't think I personally will say no to that but you're saying yes just about I mean we came close enough to making the playoffs with seven games of Jake Browning and I think Joe Burrow would have won you one of those games against the Steelers fairly handily um which would have probably got you in near, near or near enough. I mean, you've got to say, Jake Brady, won four games out of those seven. It's not like he lost, you know, five or six of them. But you also forget we were ahead in that Ravens game when he went out of the game. Now, it's, it's very easy to sit back and say that we would have won that. Um, the, the reason I say we might have done is because you look around the AFC and you look around the NFL and it is just a mess of injuries. And I think with people like Joe Flacco and... Um, you know, the rest of the backup quarterbacks that are knocking around, 
um, in the playoffs, I think you would have had a fair chance, um, especially against the Steelers and Mason Rudolph in the playoffs. If you got them, you'd have liked to think that Joe Burrow would have had enough in his locker on his own to just, you know, take that to them. But the defense was a problem. And when DJ Reader went down in that Vikings game, as you know, as happy as I was in the stands, you know, with the win, that was a real gut punch because he is such a big player for us. And he really was holding together a fairly bad uh, run defence in the first place and when he went down I think the floodgates opened and you're right son I, I, would we have made a run I think we would have won maybe one maybe even two playoff games at a push but when you came up against someone like the Ravens or the Chiefs in playoffs mode I, I really don't think that you know with with the offence they've got and the, the both run games very very strong I think that would have been carved open and mm-hmm. Joe Burrow wouldn't have been able to, um, to overcome that so yeah it's kind of a bit of both in some ways Jake Browning. Um, let's talk about Jake Browning for a few minutes. Um, he he's been remarkable, really. I think that game against uh, the Jaguars and um, uh, elements of the Colts, bits of the Vikings game as well. That comeback in the fourth quarter, especially, and then that first half in the Chief. He he looked like a starting quarterback in this league. I have to say, he was absolutely outstanding the way he's carried himself he's a funny dry dude in the press conferences Very. Uh, he, uh you know really funny guy um um obviously absolutely intent on taking advantage of his of his opportunity he said in his press conference yesterday that he sees himself as a star in this league um so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with him but i just want to pay tribute to him you know, when when Joe Boy went down, we naturally thought, right, season over, see you later. Are we going to muster any enthusiasm for for the for the last seven games? But he came in and you know had a bit of a stinker against the Steelers. Fair enough, uh, but then against the Jags, he was sensational. Uh, as I say, he and he gave us hope, and there's a real chance that um, you know he could have he could have eked out enough wins to take his place alas it wasn't to be but really what a what a great story and um you know uh, i think that's what makes um sports fun really when you get guys who just come from nowhere no one really knows who they are or whatever and uh yeah just it's just been fantastic so fair play to to jake i I don't know whether he'll be with us next year i think he is under contract restricted free agent i believe um but I mean, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Maybe he's done enough to la- to go and compete for a starting uh, spot in this league. The Jets could do with something, uh, you know, if they if they don't, uh, you know. Obviously, they've got Rogers coming back next year. But um, who who knows? You know, there might be some spots open to him. What about in uh, in Seattle or Denver or you know what I mean? There's a few quarterback needy teams out there. So. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he sticks around, really. But, um, yeah, fantastic performance from Jake Browning. 100%. And he, he gave us a season, and so many people have said that, including yourself, and it's bang on. The season, I really felt, was completely done and dusted. That game against the Steelers, when we lost 16-10 at home, you just felt that it was, you know, that was it from there, and it was going to be a very, very... Um, sad exist, uh, sad existence for the last six games. Talking about draft picks and well, you know, could we get inside the top ten, etc. And 
it gave us six weeks worth of very entertaining football up until that last game against the Browns, which was a bit of a dud. But for me personally, being out there and watching him, you know, he gave me an incredible game against the Vikings, slinging that ball down the field um, to T Higgins and all the, the shenanigans that went on at the end there. It was fantastic. And he's really given himself um, a really good resume now, isn't he? And I, I don't personally think that there's going to be too many teams um, on those seven games that are going to be wanting to throw um, their franchise keys to him after that. I think what he's done is earned himself a very sort of top-tier backup um, sort of medallion after that. I think certainly the Bengals can sit there and say, we've got our guy now. There's no question about that. There doesn't need to be a competition about that. Like, he is the guy. He'll lead us out in preseason. And we'll know that, you know, if God forbid Joe Burrow does miss two games, three games next year, that we're not being thrown to the wolves. And, uh, you know, with the greatest respect to AJ McCarron, I think if you put him out there for seven games, I think you'd probably win one of them, maybe two of them. And mm. Jake Browning played phenomenally, and I, I'm very, very happy for him. Like I said, I'd be very surprised if a team felt that he'd done enough in that game for them to go and trade for him or, you know, to really say, look, we think this is our guy. He's not the youngest guy in the world, Jake Browning. I think he's even possibly older than Joe Burrows. It's not like he's, you know, got tons of, um, you know, a massively higher ceiling that he's going to grow into. But you have to sit there and say on his body of work for those seven games, it's far, far greater than any of us could have hoped for. And fair play to the Geezy, you know, really, really happy that he took his chance and got the results to go with it. Um, the coaches. Let's have a brief chat about the coaches now. I'm not expecting Dan Pitcher to be back next year, um, but I will want. I do want to. I know it's so much. I mean, as sports fans, it's really fun to have a go at the coaches. I think that's part of being a sports fan and supporting the team, especially in, in a game like um, you know American football, where you know every play is scrutinised, every strategic strategic decision. Is is poured over by people who think they know that what they're talking about, uh, me included. And um, you know, it it is it is the easiest thing in the world to do and blame the play calling, which has happened on numerous occasions this this year. But I, I do think they've had a good year because they've had to deal with they've had to change course in every season that they've been here. And when I say they, I mean Zach Taylor and and. Um, Brian Callen on the offensive side of the ball and th this year they've really had to sort of change things to um, to accommodate uh, uh, Jake Browning he's been on the centre a lot more uh, there's been lots of more rollouts and bootlegs and, and nakeds uh, and things like that um, and I do wonder I'm, the, off the offences look more fluid I think with that kind of movement do you know what I mean uh, whereas Joe Boy does not like being under centre and we are more definitely more of a shotgun first team uh, and I think we need that variation I do wonder whether we're going to be keeping some of these wrinkles that they've added um, uh, for for Browning's little stint as starter because I said the offences look better we've used tight ends more uh, and more creatively, I think Tanner Hudson's done a nice job. Drew Sample's been doing all the dirty work, both as a fullback and as an inline tight end. Caught some passes as well, some from a very unproductive tight end room. We're, we're at least we're a functioning tight end room. Um, 
But yeah, I, I give credit to the coaches for for changing their game, their scheme a little bit uh, to accom- both to accommodate Browning and to to get this offensive moving. Um, and I wonder if they're going to keep some of the wrinkles. It's such a hard one to judge the coaches, isn't it? Because it's been so inconsistent, and you can certainly point to what they were able to do with Jake Browning and say, "Take your hat off for that." You certainly can talk about what you were saying earlier around um, the mismanagement of Burrow's injury and the game planning surrounding how they went about that. Um, defensively, I think it's the hardest one to judge because I liked what they were doing at the start of the season, and obviously it's a much younger unit, and Lou had to coach them up. But statistically, you look at it, and it's a shambles. Um, and games aren't always judged on stats. They were certainly good in the turnover game, and that's I think where they they really sort of helped um, the team with the turnovers and field position and all of that. But I, I, yeah, you would struggle to sit there and say defensively from a coaching standpoint that you were that. You, you certainly wouldn't be gushing around it. I mean, there's a lot of people, certainly on the broadcast yesterday for the Browns game, and I'd be interested to see um, your opinion on this, son, about they reckon Brian Callahan is might be a shoe-in for some head coaching jobs. Now, that surprises me. Yeah, um, I mean, he's one of those guys, isn't he, that doesn't get a lot of, you know, it's difficult to quantify what what he kind of does because Zach does the play calling. But, I mean, they work together as a team, really. He's up in the booth and, and he... So he doesn't call plays, but he game plans. He puts the game plans together, and and you know, um, he's a he's a very very smart dude. And I think I think in terms of he he's that um, kind of character, that younger guy um, who's been around championship winning football teams, both with the Broncos and the Bengals. So he's been in winning organisations. He talks a good game. His his personality lends itself. You can't help. Uh, you can't help but like him. He's a really nice bloke. Um, and I think he is of that modern coaching ilk where he's more of an older brother than a than a, a stern uncle like Marvin. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. I think, I think Pitcher is... What he's done with Browning this year... I think he's in line for a move. I think I, I think Lou might struggle this year actually because he's gone from like you know, uh, the darling uh, of defensive coordinators to having real problems this year. And you know they were great against San Francisco when they stopped the Forty ers and people were talking about him again. But I, I'm not quite sure whether you know whether he will get a look in. Who knows? You've seen Black Monday. There's a bunch of coaches been fired already. I think Riverboat Ron's out and Arthur Smith is gone. Well, he went at midnight, didn't he? So that was a very early start to Black Monday. But, yeah, there's going to be plenty of uh, openings. Um, it's just a case of of whether anybody looks our way, really. Um, but we'll just, just a quick uh, We talked about a couple of weeks ago, and, again, I'd be interested in your take on this. Our friend Jimmy in Japan, I think it was, yeah. said it talking around how you know obviously it's been portrayed that the consistency of the coaching staff and the continuity that we've had over the last couple of years has been a real positive and he raised the point well you know at what point does that continuity become a negative where you're not getting any fresh ideas and yeah and i think I, I reckon that's a really good point and the the, the the thing that i would look at is the the offensive line uh coach and that does mean pollack um even though i like him as a bloke everyone does but but then again, you look at what Mixon's done this year. He hasn't been spectacular, um, but he's just crossed a thousand yards uh, rushing 
for the fourth time in his career. Um, over 1,300 yards, all-purpose yards, I was I should say. So you look at that and think, yeah, he's had a good season, but we all know he hasn't been as explosive. His, his um, average yards per carry is, isn't, like, amazing. Um, so it's a tricky one because, as I say, on the surface, everything looks okay and... And certainly, I think the offensive line was better this year, but it wasn't spectacular. You know, still not quite as good as we we want it to be or, or hoping it to be, really. So I think it's a fair point about, you know, these guys have been together, you know, four or five years now, and they've done a remarkable job, I think. Um, but sometimes you do need to um, introduce some new ideas. Maybe that's just a case of those guys doing it themselves maybe they sit down and self-scout at the end of each season which i which i know they do and they say well what can we do how can we freshen this up internally you know it doesn't have to be bringing in someone new you know it, it can be can be done internally you know yeah no I, I don't disagree with that i think frank pollock's someone that you'd certainly look at um, under the microscope and to your point around the run game and everything else the main thing for me with Pollock that I think the question mark has to lie at his door is have we seen improvement and progression from some of the younger guys on that line like a Cordell Volson and well I think there uh, is I think there has been I think I mean he was pretty awful to begin with but these last well since I have to say since Browning has taken over. He's. You look at his grades; they're through the roof. He's played really quite well, and um, so that's been really quite. That's really unexpected, but a very nice surprise, I think. Um, it's it's people like I don't know. I think they've been yeah towards the back end of the season they've been better. Um, but I it's a, again it's a tricky one, isn't it, for us mere mortals and and lay people to really get under the skin of what what's going on with the coaching i think um, um just and then you can say it in two words just on about your money more than two words zach just on the head coach obviously we, you know you could talk about the positions and everything else what, what do you what do you make of his yeah of yeah good i think he's been good i'll give him a solid b plus again i think um he's obviously a really good leader of men in his own particular way um, you know, do I agree with every play call? No. Has he screwed up occasionally? Yes. Is he perfect? No. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, th I I just like his leadership. I like his uh, his demeanour. I think again, and I still think he's got some credit in the bank. Really, from that's not to say he's not immune from criticism because he's not. And as I say, I don't agree with with a lot of stuff that he's he's done but um yeah i think i think it's as you know we're in a stable situation at head coach i think but we'll see what happens next year because you know we've got all these players and um you know there is an argument out there uh, we did receive some tweets last night some responses saying that well what has zach done he's you know he's, he's had burrow he's had chase and you know it's not but then he goes, yeah, but we have got to the Super Bowl and we have won the AFC Championship and we um, got to the AFC Championship again last year. You know, so it's been pretty good. But yeah, I'd like to see how he gets on next year. I say I, I wasn't, I was disappointed with how Joe's calf injury was was handled. Um, 
What about you, Nathan? Yeah, but I like, you know, I like him as a person, and I, I think he's a good coach. I do, I genuinely do. Um, not perfect by any stretch, but you know, I think he's good. What about you? I, I actually think he did a really good job this year, mm. and you, I, I think where the failings on this team potentially lied in the fact that we didn't get another win or two under our belt, I don't think in the off season we did enough I don't think it was a bad off season I just think with the players on the way out and where we were at the time but that's not necessarily Zach's fault though is it no no, that's exactly what I mean I'm not labelling that at Zach's feet I'm saying that I think with the players he was given and the players that were drafted and where they started the season I think you know, especially with Joe's calf injury and him going down at the end with a wrist injury, I think the fact that you've got a winning season under your belt is impressive. I do, and especially with that strength of schedule, I think you've got to say for him it was a good job. I think we needed in the off season um, a better veteran than Nick Scott, a better tight end than Irv Smith, and someone on that defensive line, a bit of a veteran to sort of add a bit of presence there. And I think that we went we went a little bit short on that. Um, and try to sort of get by with youth and sort of patch mm. our way through it. And that ultimately, I think, a couple of players here or there could have really been the difference. But with the players that he had, um, some exceptional wins in there. You know, 49ers win, the Bills win, Seahawks, Rams, all these teams that are in and around the playoffs now, mm-hmm. I think was very, very impressive. And you're in such a hard division as well. Well, I that's mean, the other thing, isn't it? If we were in the yeah. AFC South, bloody hell. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. It would have been cakewalk every bloody season. But... Did you know, Nathan? Um, we are we finished nine and eight this season. Do you know? Do you remember what record, like regular season record, we finished with when we went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago? No, I'm going to say, is it nine and eight? No, ten and seven. We were we we finished only one game away from what we finished with when we went to the Super Bowl. Isn't that yeah. crazy? So it is uh, small margins, and we just fell on the other side of it this year. Um, I just want to finish these this pick six off. Um, let's let's just rattle through these last two. Um, Tyler Boyd, back or not back? I don't think he is back, and everything. No. Uh, how are you feeling about that? Um, I think he's a bit of a ledge. I, I do think it's be- the beautiful thing about being a long longer term, shall we say, <laughs> or old. Uh, in my case. Um, fan of a team is that you get to see these players and you go on a bit of a journey not seeing like too much of a twat but um, you do go on a bit of a journey with them you know because you remember when Boyd first joined he he had a few problems like mature maturity wise you know he was he was being dropped he was he was he was struggling to to kind of make his mark and he was getting frustrated he was in that car accident that was that weird car accident wasn't he and um and it wasn't looking good for him. And then suddenly that, that fourth down and whatever it was against Baltimore, um, and then that flipped his career around and he's been fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Always remember that game against the Dolphins, you know, the one that we made a storming comeback uh, uh, against. But that actually ultimately was the game that, uh, I'll put this in inverted commas, won us the, the first pick in the draft and therefore Joe Burrow. But... He was playing injured. He was crawling off the field injured. I mean, this guy yeah. has put everything on the line. What a privilege it's been to see him grow and to see him make some incredible catches. Um, a real clutch guy. Um, we've met him. We've He's been on this podcast before. Um, whatever happens, you've just got to say, you know, for eight years, he's been he's been a brilliant part 
of arguably, certainly last couple of years, that arguably the best trio of wide receivers in the NFL. Yeah, very well said. And, you know, we're usually making the point about eight years on a team. You don't see that, uh, you know, barely at all. I think he is, if I'm right in saying, either him or Sam Hubbard, the longest serving um, player on the team. Um, I don't see any way that they bring him back. I think he's going to be 30 next season in November. I'm not sure that the Bengals will be wanting to invest um, veteran money into that position. Um, I think they'll look to the draft. I think they'll also look themselves in free agency for a sort of wide receiver three. I also think they might look at, you know, Charlie Jones and Yoshi Bass and think well, yeah, can one yeah, of them yeah. potentially fill that role with a, you know, potential draft pick or if they tag T Higgins, but we'll get to that later on. But yeah, and what a, what a, what a great guy. 6,000 yards, 6,000 yards. Yeah, he bang on, didn't he? He made, he made it bang yeah. on, didn't he? Yeah. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Just amazing. He'll be, he'll be, I think if you were to, to list your top 10, uh, Bengals wide receivers, you'd certainly go, Chase, Johnson, uh, Isaac Curtis, Carl Pickens, Darnay Scott, Eddie Brown, Tim McGee. Um, who else have we got? Uh, T. TJ. Higgins, TJ Hushmanzada, and I think I might be tacking on Tyler Boyd on the end of that. So for his name to be mentioned against some seriously good players, I think he's been a really good player for us and. You know, I don't think he's going to be back. I think he knows that he's not going to be back. Um, and, he, you know, you can't help but get emotional. You do form uh, an emotional attachment to these guys. And, um, yeah, uh, he's. we've been on quite a journey with him. And uh, we'll see what happens. Finally, Nathan, I want a couple of words from you. This, uh, just a couple of words. The Bengals this off-season must... Improve the defensive line. Oh, nice, nice. I'm going to say show intent, which sounds like a bit um, wishy-washy, but I, I do want to make their... And I'm sure they've got some plans worked out already. They must have. Um, I, I, I want to... None of this Nick Scott, Irv Smith nonsense. I want them to... You know, I want to I want to get some good players in to, to seriously plug these holes to show me that they are taking, they want to take advantage of the borough situation and the, all the good players that we've got both sides of the ball. That's what I'd like. That's what I'd like to see. Yeah, I, I think it's a really good way of putting it. I mean, I was looking more just, you know, at areas of the team, but yeah, I think that's right. spot on in terms of, you know, the approach next year, the window is open, the kids of cap room there. Um, it's going to be a fascinating off-season because there are a lot of players that, you know, potentially won't be there next year. And I think the Bengals are going to have to... It's going to look a different roster. There wasn't a huge amount of change between the year before and this year. Um, but we are, you know, obviously there's a few players that come and go. But I do think there's going to be some big names that you can't, you know, for certain say that are going to be there next year. Tyler Boyd, we just said. T Higgins is up in the air. I think he probably will be back, but it's by no means a guarantee. Um, DJ Reader, another big name coming off an injury. Again, you love to see him back, but it, you always have to question someone coming off a you know a fairly heavy injury like that. His age, you know, I'd love him back, but you know you got to wait and see. Jonah so, Williams is an interesting one. 
Yeah, another one. And that, the thing with Jonah Williams, you know, he's, he's far from spectacular. I don't think he had a good or a bad year, really. Maybe slightly above average, but he's certainly, for an offensive lineman, not going to be cheap. Um, no, that's the I thing. Think, I, think if he, I think he'll test the market because I think he'll get some big money somewhere. It'll be like yeah, a bit of a no, McGlinchey situation. There's nothing spectacular about him, but I think he did a reasonable job this year when you look at the fact that he switched over from left to right tackle. Could have gone horribly wrong, but fair play to yeah. him. You know, let's you know, he's not the best, but he's not the worst either. And fair play to but, him for, for actually holding that right hand side down. Um Cheeto, again, Cheeto, um he's he's out of contract. But also players like Marcus Bailey. Do you remember yeah. him when we interviewed him, his first ever interview on Cincinnati four years ago? Uh, Akeem Davis-Gaither, another friend of the podcast. You know, their guy, those are outside. Drew Sample, who's been a revelation this year in a quiet, in a very quiet, sort of unassuming sort of way. He's, again, out of contract. I don't think they'll bring back Irv Smith. But anyway, we could go through the whole team. We need to get to your correspondences. Cincinnati. Right, uh, Andrew Dockerell at Dockers seventy seven. He he handily breaks down his feelings for the um, uh, the Bengals season. Lost Burrow early. Check. Had the hardest strength of schedule in the league. Check. Went one in five in the division. That we haven't spoken about that. That's been a key uh, failing this year. Um, only averaged twenty one point five points per game. Third in D first down percentage yards per catch. But we get a fourth-place schedule next year, a top-20 draft pick. Uh, we get a winning season. Where we were one win for the playoffs. Trey was number two in sacks. Uh, and the whole Karras, Cincy Hats movement uh, has been absolutely astonishing. So there's lots of good stuff. He says five key off-season bits. Sort out the expensive free agents' decisions. Improve the DT room. Pray for a safety room year one to year two improvement. Fix the punting and try again at tight end. Yeah, punting wasn't great from Brad in his rookie year. But anyway, um, Jamie at Trequart Beaster. Uh, the season was ultimately a fav- failure and Joe's calf injury should have been handled better. Still, in a season where we had maybe six weeks with a healthy burrow, we end up one dropped pass by Tyler Boyd versus Houston away from the playoffs. And, you know, to be fair, TB hasn't had a great season, I don't think. So, you know, if you're going to be hyper-objective about this, then maybe now is the right time to to part ways with, with uh, Tyler, And unfortunately. Um, VB at Von Blade. Solid end. Uh, once again, for year... Uh, for the year 15 plus the OL is terry bad however credit for changing the game plan and browning execution Yoshi looks great Brown and Evans good picks too need more run defence just fix the OL lastly as someone with no shame wish we'd tanked immediately following the Joe injury well there we go um, Memphis Soul Stew at Stuart Baird 688 a season of inconsistencies Scott and Smith failed to deliver. Will we see big changes over the off-season? Time for some motorsport. Uh, Stuart is a big Formula 1 
fans. So enjoy the F1 season, Stuart. Um, I personally, I can't wait for the cricket season. So um, I'll watch. I'll watch the playoffs. Obviously, I'll watch the end of the footy season over here with interest. But uh, yeah, I'll get into the cricket over the se- over the summer. I think. Um, Jason at MJ Stewart. Silver lining. I feel we got a little bonus season with. Browning and the last bit being more enjoyable to watch than should have otherwise been. The game yesterday was still well attended and fun. Happy New Year and who day. Happy New Year to you, uh, Jason. I hope to see you again soon, my friend. John Kelly at JK underscore Knee Bengal 68. Um, uh, We were on top on that faithful... Thursday night in Baltimore before the unthinkable happened. Work to be done, but Super Bowl window is my whole career. Uh, who day, indeed. Uh, Rob Hill, it's surely this season. Shocking, Andor. Shocking. <laughs> Can't be this season. Uh, poor old Rob, it, it gets a solid handle during the season and a shocking handle uh, when the season's over and we haven't won. Uh, my feels, Rob said, are generally positive. It's been a great ride since we drafted Burrow. Too many uh, forget how things used to be. The team fought hard. Trey, Jamar and CTB outstanding. In the end, injuries robbed us of a great chance in a weaker than expected AFC. Oh, and the AFC North is a beast. Absolutely. Um, Paul at Picar Burns. Considering that some of the talk after JB after the JB injury was that we may not win another game all season, I think the silver lining is just how Browning did uh, step in, how he, how he stepped in and stepped up. Not perfect, but did enough to make us all think at one point we could be making the playoffs. Here, here, uh, Andy at Bengal Blade seventy one. Um, o line first pick or wide receiver if T and TB both go. Pollack out. Jones and Yoshi are wide receiver three ready. Need the twenty twenty three draft class to break out. Think most will. Uh, can handle minor JB9 injuries. Uh, he wants snaps for new starters pre-season, and we've got to learn to defend third and long. Just defend full stop, really, Andy, I think. Uh, Derek Young at Mr. Degsy. Uh, Solid egg. We'll have a fourth-place schedule next year, but that only affects three games out of 17. We play the Titans, the Patriots, and Panthers next year instead of the Texans, Bills, and Bucks. If we'd have won the division again, every other non-division game is rotational. NFC and uh, NFC West. Yeah, there's some interesting games next year. I think um, we're playing the NFC East. There's some tough games there, obviously. See, uh, you know, Philly and uh, uh, Dallas and Washington and the Giants. I'm sure a lot of people will be eyeing that a trip to New York, no doubt. Um, Martin at Dorset Bengals. Some thoughts. Hendrickson making three straight Pro Bowls since signing in free agency should change the Bengals' front office stance for good. Uh, I've enjoyed watching some of the rookies play and develop. We have a decent backup QB. Fast start next year, please. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's the one thing they've never been able to get, had they, or, or kind of managed to achieve. A fast start in the season. They're always playing catch up. Um, and it's difficult to do that year in, year out. But he might, might have makes a really interesting point, you know. 
we you've said it a lot in the past nathan where you've often thought the Bengals have been you know once bit once bitten twice shy when it comes to free agents you know antonio bryant um exactly. nate odom uh, all those guys you know haven't been fantastic but then you do sign someone like i would also throw in dj reed i would also throw in someone like mike yeah. hilton um yeah. who and and von bell um when he played here who and Cheeto as well, who played, you know, those guys play superbly in the run to the Super Bowl. Um, so maybe that does, you know, change their free uh, approach to free agency for good. Let's let's hope so. Eh? Yeah, it's a really good point um, from Martin. And you look at even players like Eli Apple, um, who wasn't here this year, played his role, played his part in that in that run. There was a masterstroke from the Bengals um, that free agency period they had, where they got those guys in, and they wouldn't be there without it. You know, you, it's easy to draft Joe Burrow number one. It's easy to draft Jamar Chase number five overall. They're they're sitting in your lap, quality, world class players. That ultimately, you know, the main reason you get, but you don't get there without some of those free agent additions. You just don't, you know, the, the rate that the, uh, the Bengals have developed players in the draft. Yeah, it's fine. There's some good players there, but you, you know, it would not in any way cover the depth on the roster that those free agent additions have, and that's something I hope they really just look back to this season and go back to um, the drawing board with it. Because Orlando Brown was a great signing. You know, it wasn't flashy. You don't really see it all the time from a an offensive lineman, but there's no doubt the line was better. Um, than it has been in the last couple of years. Not incredible, but certainly better. And you look at Ted Karras, you know, another free agent signing that we brought in, and you look at Alex Kappa. Again, that line is not winning any awards, but he just as a personality and a captain and what he's brought to the city and I think hopefully will be the Walter Payton man of the year. Now, that doesn't win you football games, but it then half give you some credibility and yeah. some goodwill amongst fans and just the whole, you know, fan base or the Cincy hat movement. I've got one myself. It... Is fantastic, and again, another free agent, someone they've brought into the building that's made the locker room and the team um, better for that. So, for the most part, they've done an incredible job of it, but having barely touched it for the last fifteen years, and that's not an exaggeration. You know, you talk back to the last fifteen years and look at the players the Bengals have brought in. They've been at best rotational pieces. You know, people to try and challenge for a roster spot. Um, a player's like, a bit like Cody Ford, you know, this year, where they're sort of bring him in and, you know, sort of, oh, he's on the roster, but he's not really going to play, you know, or maybe we'll give him a chance if someone goes down. That was typically the sort of free agents the Bengals would sort of kick around. But they have really brought in some really good starters, players have added a lot, and I just encourage them to keep being aggressive like that and keep bringing guys in because, you know, there are a lot of positions on this roster that need filling. And if they can, you know, talent evaluate like they have in the past for those positions, it'll be extremely well received. So, yeah, very well said, Martin. Chris Roberts at 1066. Chris, not this season we had dreamed of, but Jake kept us competitive after uh, week 11 when we all thought the season ended then. Trey was my player and Yoshi was my rookie of the year. Hope I'm wrong, but feels like a window has closed. Roster changes, especially on defense, need to reopen it. Yeah, I, I, I'm not quite sure I, I agree. I think that window is still open, but, you know, we... I think they know what they need to do. I think they all know, just, again, looking and listening to the interviews the past couple of weeks, especially that after that Chiefs game when they were, like, officially eliminated, they were like, look, man, you know, this hasn't been anywhere near the standard that we've been used to. They know that they haven't played up to 
up to scratch. Um, yes, they've in, had injuries, but they also know that they haven't played up to scratch, which is good awareness and good to hear. You know, they're not shirking or they're owning it, I think, is the modern phrase, isn't it? So, um, you know, they, they know there's plenty of room for improvement. They know uh, that they've got to get back to the standards that they've set uh, and we've become accustomed to sport is so dangerous isn't it for a fan you start getting accustomed to a level of success and the expectation uh kind of hangs around really so they know what they've got to do they know what they've got to do sean at shawnee 01 rest recover and go again highs were getting to spend another season amongst a great fan base and a one-on-one -on -one record at meetups attended fits with the rest of the year lows were those damned primetime divisional games jake browning played his ass off and he can be a very proud man here here sean and good to see you this year thanks for coming to all the meetups and finally john ward at john ward 31 whenever we lose jb it's going to be a big task to have a good season but other teams have done it browns um our defense has been exposed massively and that needs fixing uh with that and a healthy jb who knows next uh we can achieve next year there you go so there is some there is some optimism there nathan yeah, I think just going back to that point before around like the window being open or closed or whatever, you you get seventeen games of Joe Burrow and you some of your best players back healthy, and that, that the window is definitely open. You know, the Bengals can hang with you know anyone in the AFC for sure with a healthy Joe Burrow, and you know you've got a weapon like Jamar Chase. You know, I don't know if Mixon will be back or not, but he's a handy player, and Chase Brown's flash. They, they've got some talent. You know, Hendrickson will be back next year. Um, the window is is definitely open. I I think the Bengals know it. They've invested that money in Joe Burrow. They they don't want to invest that sort of money in a quarterback to sit there and pedal out nine and eight, ten and seven. You know, eight and nine teams. Like they want to win. They know they've got to win. They know that the opportunity's there. They know the fans are greedy for it now. You know, in the past when you didn't have a quarterback like Joe Burrow, you might have accepted. Um, a nine and eight season as a real, you know, real positive and caught cool, me lucky and, you know, this, that and the other. But when you've got Joe Burrow now and you expect him to play a full season, um, that the, the goal next year will be as it was this year. and It'll be the Super Bowl. It won't be winning the division. It won't be, you know, the playoffs. It will be the Super Bowl. And I think the Bengals will have to prepare in the off season for that. Um, and the window is, is well and truly open. Uh, yes, we will be uh, delving much deeper into the um, what's happened next week. We're going to be dishing out our end of season awards and uh, uh, maybe going through each position group and checking out uh, what we like, what we haven't liked. Uh, and then we'll delve deeper into what we want to see happen in the off-season because it's not long until, you know, Okay, it's not quite February yet, but certainly, um, you know, March is just around the corner. And then, of course, you've got the draft. March, of course, is free agency. Um, it's going to be really interesting. Um, I think it, there is no doubt we are going to have to say goodbye to some players that we all love. You know, um, I st I'm still not sure about what the best thing to do with T Higgins is. Uh, Joe Boy said in his press conference today, uh, it was nice to see him back, by the way, and chatting to the media today, he said that, um, you know, um, he wants to see T back. T wants to come back. The expectation in the locker room is that T will be back. 
I just worry about putting that amount of money into, uh, you know, a wide receiver room and a quarterback room, and there's not a lot. Well, there is. There's there's some money, but not. You know, you want depth, and this is what's really shown up this year. The depth in other positions on the team haven't been uh, amazing. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. You got DJ Reed, as we said. You know, there's some big names that uh, real, and also team captain. Then you can throw in Joe Mixon as well. Even though he's had a successful year, there's still some grumbling about Mixon. I think, and uh, um, yeah, who knows? I mean, I I actually expect Joe Mixon to come back next year. He's still under contract, so why would they get rid of him? They like him. So, um, but yeah, lots of things to discuss and react to, Nathan. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting off-season, isn't it? Um, sobering, like I think your tweet last night was when you tweeted that there was only two minutes worth of meaningful football left until September. And I'll tell you what, like that was quite a bad game yesterday, but I, I feverishly watched those last couple of minutes just thinking that exact thought. It is such a long time, you know, sat here in very early January thinking that we're not going to see, um, you know, a regular season game now for, what, eight, nine months. It's, it's a real crazy thought you know i mean i always enjoy a free agency i think it's a really fun time of the year and the draft's always good good fun as well but um yeah as a bengals fan it, it it's a hell of a hell of a gap isn't it but certainly things to to look forward to and build for and then once that season does come around we'll all be sat there feverishly gobbling it up so yeah but no doubt uh, an off season um, a very important one like they all have been recently Indeed. And we'll be back to guide you through it all and to react and give you a platform to air your views, of course, as well. Uh, do keep in contact with us on Twitter X at today underscore UK, Bengals UK on Facebook and Bengals underscore UK on uh, Instagram. Uh, as I say, do keep an eye out on our social feeds for details of 10th anniversary celebrations throughout the year. That's exciting stuff, isn't it? And, uh, and yeah, we've got some guests coming up as well. We've got the 250th episode coming up uh, soon. It's all happening this year, Nathan. It really is. Uh, but in the meantime, I will say to you right now, it's a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys.
And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.